Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a medallia company, and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. I'm really excited today because Lauren Costella is back. Lauren is the Vice President of Customer Success for GoodTime.io. It serves on the Success League's advisory board, serves on the Customer Success Leadership Council, and is an all-around superstar in the customer success community. She's also a former elite athlete, and today she'll be sharing what she learned from sports and how that has informed her approach to customer success. Lauren, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kristen. I'm really thrilled to be back uh, on the show and joining you again on Strike Deck Radio. So there's people in the audience who don't know you. Uh, So can you share a little bit about your career journey into customer success? Absolutely. Uh, It's absolutely my pleasure to tell people how I kind of got into this. So I've been in the field of customer success formally for about eight years now. I've done every role from support to CSM to leading CSM teams, CS ops, and now running a customer success department. So my experience is largely in SaaS technology. I worked in search engine optimization. Right after uh, that, I moved into clinical trial software which wasn't actually SaaS-based, but more project-based. And now I'm working for goodtime.io, which is a job candidate experience platform. And prior to tech, I worked for the Department of Defense at the Pentagon uh, in strategic communications, and I worked in nonprofit before that. So I've had quite the gamut of career experiences, but I found my passion and love for customer success when I moved back out to California eight years ago. That's awesome. So the last time you were on the podcast, you worked for a different company. Can you tell us a little bit about GoodTime.io? Yes, absolutely. So GoodTime has a vision of creating a future where every minute counts. And so today we are largely focused in the candidate experience. We empower our recruiters to create a seamless interviewing experience with candidates by making it simple to schedule their interviews. And we've actually been able to uh, lessen response times uh, from candidates from 72 hours down to 24, which allows our customers to actually get grade A talent in quicker and uh, hire those people. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I love it. That's awesome. That is a huge gap. I feel like so many times companies kind of delay the process or candidates delay the process and then the matches don't end up happening. So it's really cool that you're addressing that area first. Yeah, thank you. We uh, we believe in it. We believe that to get good talent, you have to have a really great experience, and uh, I think that's also why I love it. We're focused here at Good Time in creating a great candidate experience, and of course, uh, being a huge customer experience uh, fan, I can relate one hundred percent to that mission. So, Lauren, I mentioned this very briefly at the beginning, but you were an elite athlete. So, tell me about that. What was your sport, and what was that experience like for you? I was. Uh, So I was actually an elite athlete in swimming. I was a distance swimmer. I started swimming when I was five years old. Wow. Yeah. I was completely dedicated to it by the time I was nine. So I stopped doing other sports. And uh, throughout the year, I swam all the way up through college. And in my career, um, I qualified for Olympic trials in 2000 and 2004 in the 800 meter freestyle and 400 IM. Uh, which is, thank you. Uh, that was pretty great and super, 
gosh, like what, what an honor to be able to uh, compete at that level. And I also won two national titles in the 1500 meter freestyle. And I was seventh in the world in the 1500 meter freestyle. At one point, um, I was able to attain a full ride scholarship to Stanford and was an NCAA All-American. So certainly um, getting to that type of level takes a lot of dedication and discipline and focus. But for me, I've also found it to just be really rewarding with all of the experience I had in being an athlete, um, all of the mental preparation, all of the different things that I learned there. Um, I think I use that every day in my career. And it's funny because I think it could be useful for other leaders and practitioners to maybe hear about some of that experience and some of the parallels between the two. So Lauren, I love that you draw from the rest of your life to inform your work in customer success. I've seen you do this in the blog post you write. Um, obviously, you've given a lot of thought to how your experience and support has influenced your approach to customer success. We're going to be talking about some of the details on that in a minute. But at a high level, what made you start to consider the parallels between elite athletes and customer success professionals? I love that question. And it's a really good one. And I would say that a lot of people have asked me how I am so passionate about customer success and what's been the motiva- motivating factors behind that. And when I started thinking about that a lot more, I really think it stems from my years as an athlete and the mindset that came with getting to that level and the passion and the drive. And I actually bring that to work with me every day. I think I would do that in any career path that I've that I would choose. I happen to find that love for customer success, but that the takeaways that I had as an athlete are the ones um, that have really, I guess, shaped how I think about customer success, how I approach it, uh, and the success that I've had in various uh, jobs and roles, and in bringing customer success to a wider um, uh, to a wider audience. And so, I'm really excited to share seven takeaways from my time as an elite athlete that I use day in and day out. And uh, so the first one is setting crazy high goals, not smart ones. The second one is garbage in, garbage out. The third one is relentlessly focused. Uh, The fourth is building resilience. The fifth is celebrating success. The sixth is learning from losing and winning. And the seventh is coaches are everything. That's amazing. I think we're going to just dive in and we're going to start with the first one on the list, which I'm lucky because I have the list in front of me. So I get to cheat and um, ask about each of these things. But um, you said that you think CS professionals should set crazy high goals, just as elite athletes do. Um, Tell me more about why you think that's so important. Yeah. So I really think it's important to set crazy high goals, not necessarily smart ones. But first, let me just go into... The quick uh, summary of what SMART is, remember, SMART goal is specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. And I'll probably be reprimanded for saying that, but I think it might be better if perhaps I share a story um, of why I believe this. So That would be great. Yeah. So at seven years old, I went to see the movie Aladdin with a bunch of my teammates in swimming. And I remember... Mm -hmm that one of the parents asked us, you know, afterwards, if you guys could make a wish in, you know, from a lamp and and a genie came out and granted you a wish, what would it be? And I remember saying, I'm going to go to the Olympics and I would win a gold medal. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) You think about that at seven years old, having this really crazy kind of outlandish dream and big goal If you think about it in terms of the SMART perspective, um, there are some things that it certainly aligns to, but maybe some things that it doesn't. It's certainly specific. It's very well-defined. It's going to the Olympics and winning a gold Mm -hmm. medal. And for me, that happened to be in swimming, so certainly certainly specific. It's measurable because you either win or you don't, Mm -hmm. and there's times to to qualify for Olympic trials. And so that's that's pretty smart in there. Attainable is Mm -hmm. where I think there's a little bit of a deviation. So attainable is really about, are you prepared to invest in it? Is it something where you are able to actually um, make make that happen? 
And it's funny because at seven years old, I'm pretty sure I don't control the purse strings. And at that time, my parents did. (laughs) (laughs) I know you would think at seven, (laughs) they're handing it over to me. But um, parents, you know, my parents, um, I'm one of six um, children. And my dad um, was an iron worker at that time. And my mom was a blackjack dealer at the Peppermill Casino. And so, yeah. So the investment in Reno, Nevada. Reno, Nevada. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, And super great. And like, I've been so thankful for my parents for this. But when you think about like the attainability and a goal like that, and just given where I grew up, and I don't think swimming was necessarily a huge focus for uh, Northern Nevada, it just wouldn't have seemed attainable at all. And as much as it might be relevant and that I loved it, which is the the next piece of the SMART goal, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you think about like how hard it would be um, to do that when you don't, when at seven years old, you're, you you do not have control over those pieces. And so, um, and so, so when I think about like the relevancy of, I loved swimming, but it also is, you know, is it relevant? Do you have the talent to do it? And uh, <laughs> I also laugh at that because certainly when I started in swimming, I can tell you, I definitely didn't have the talent for it. And you can talk to my coaches all the way up through the time. I was probably in eighth or ninth, eighth grade, beginning of eighth grade. It's just, I had a really great work ethic, but it's not like I was the most talented out there. So it's really interesting. Those two pieces of SMART goals really didn't fit with the type of goal that I had. And then finally, the last piece being timely. I also think that depends um, because when I set, like I could have set a goal at like making the Olympic team, you know, at 16 years old in the year 2000. And if that doesn't happen, then you just end your career. And if I had done it by then, I could tell you I would not have ever gotten to um, swim in college with uh, uh, a full ride scholarship at Stanford. I would never have made World University Games and won a bronze medal on behalf of the U.S. team. There's many things that would have been missed um, had that been just timed out at the year 2000 or timed out at any point. And so the way I think about it is it's not about necessarily setting smart goals, um, but there's certainly value in setting smart milestones. So I think that you can have both. Mm-hmm. So as CS professionals, I think it's okay to set crazy high goals and it's okay to not necessarily know exactly how you're going to get there, but you can set smart milestones to understand progress and then change your course as needed. And it's really critical not to give up too early in the process because things might be slightly delayed before you actually see the result. And so that's kind of my takeaway of the first uh, my first tip is just set crazy high goals, not necessarily always smart ones. I like it. Even though we I know, teach I know, I classes, <laughs> I know you know, but um, but I I look at smart as a test more than a of a goal, more than a uh something that you should just hit every single one of those. I think it's really to keep you from setting a goal like I want to lose yes. weight. <laughs> And it's real vague or, you know, or, you know, I want that customer to, you know, to be happy. Okay. Well, how are you going to measure that? So smart is a great way to keep you from setting goals that are just super vague, but I love that you take it further and want it to be like wild goals, crazy goals, awesome goals. I think that's amazing. So yeah, good one. Um, the second thing you mentioned off your list was that customer success mindset. I think your coach called it garbage in, garbage out. Um, basically, it sounds like this is kind of a com- combination of preparation and an attitude of excellence. So tell yeah, me more about that. Um, so you hit the nail on the head. Essentially, to me, um, you really need to have the right attitude and mindset about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And you need to be prepared. So when I was swimming, we had practice every single day, twice a day, five to six days per week. And every practice was the opportunity to make yourself that much better, that much stronger. And it didn't mean that that was going to be, you know, the fastest day you'd have or the perfect practice. But what I remember is you could always find something to focus on or be better at than the day before. So let's say that I wasn't having a great practice or I wasn't swimming my fastest. I could focus on my technique, the angle of my hand going into the water, or just commit to that practice that I'm going to push off on the wall that much further every single flip turn. 
um, each, I really think that each one of us has the ability to approach every day, every moment um, with that mindset that even if it's not a perfect day, I can still do something that furthers me along towards my, towards my goal or to be better. So when I think about how this is paralleled for us in customer success, especially for CSMs, you have to have that mindset to think of a bigger picture for your customers. So showing up early or staying late for a call simply because, hey, your customer, this is going to help them in their end game, their bigger picture. Um, and that's okay. It doesn't mean it has to be every day, but kind of having that mindset of, I can work on this now because this is going to make me that much better um, later. And I think that CSMs do that with their customers pretty naturally. And then I also think it's about doing the little things. So I talked a little bit about like focusing on like the angle of my hand or small techniques. I think it's really important as CSMs or just CS professionals that we make sure that we log our calls and notes and are really focused on like the data pieces. Um, if you don't take care of the small things, if you don't um, log your calls or log the information that's happening with a customer, you can't possibly expect that at the end of a contract, you're going to know or be able to communicate what that value is. So even little things um, with the bigger picture in mind is going to make a big difference with the results. And so I really think it's about being prepared, putting in the effort, and making sure that you're focused on those the the small things, the details. Um, otherwise, garbage in, garbage out. Like that's exactly what you'll get. You won't get that renewal. You won't get those customers to to um, understand the value if you're not willing to put in the time and energy it takes to really communicate what that looks like. That's great. Um, I love your perspective on that. I especially love the data piece. I'm kind of a nerd, nerd that way. <laughs> and I, my team would tell you I am, unfortunately, right now, the biggest culprit for not logging things in Salesforce the way I should. But I know it's a problem and I'm working to fix it. And that's I love one of my it. 2020 I think we goals. all go through that. You know, you, <laughs> so, all, you go through those periods of where yeah. like, it maybe isn't as clean, but it's more of having the bigger picture in mind, yep. right? Like, and when I think about from my right. team's, we need to track those for bigger reasons than just customers too. Like, of course we want to track, like, are they doing well and how are we, how are we managing our customers to the best of our capability? But it also comes back and feeds the organization of where are we going to get resources? How long does it really take? How much effort is really required to keep a customer and how much, how much time is really being spent with different segments of customers? If we don't log those things and have, a track record of activity, you can't possibly make the case to the CEO or to the board that it's worth investing in if they can't see how much time it really does take to ensure the lifetime um, of a successful customer. So it's really, really important. Yeah, it's absolutely critical. <laughs> I agree. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. I want to talk about the Success League certification program for customer success managers. We research the fields that CSMs are coming from, the strengths that they are bringing to the table, and the areas where they need to build skills. Based on our findings, we developed a certification program that is designed to provide practical, long-term learning and tools your CSMs can use right away to drive retention and revenue for your company. Our 16-class program covers everything from how to lead a difficult conversation to how to manage opportunities to how to have an executive-level strategy discussion. Each one-hour online class features discussion, recommended exercises, additional reading, and Q&A. Classes are offered on rotation at two different times throughout the year, so it's easy to find a schedule that works for you and your team. We also offer private classes for groups of 10 or more. If you need to level up your success team, build soft skills, or give new CSMs a solid foundation in our field, this is the program for you. We hope you'll join us in 2020. Please visit thesuccessleague.io for more information. Next, I'd like to talk about StrikeDeck, a purpose-built customer success platform that provides the first self-service solution in the industry. Using StrikeDeck's extensive library of data connectors, customer success teams can quickly build 360-degree dashboards reflecting key metrics. Leveraging these dashboards, CSMs are better able to make decisions around upcoming renewals, churn threats, and new opportunities. 
Strike Deck's workflow capabilities enable success organizations to implement best practices and automate routine activities. Tools like notes, game plans, and tasks increase CSM productivity, keep projects on track, and quickly get information to team members and customers. Thanks to short onboarding times, seamless data integration, and ready-to-use templates, StrikeDeck's customers experience the fastest time to first value in the industry. If you're interested in exploring the StrikeDeck platform and learning more, please visit strikedeck.com or reach out to info at strikedeck.com. And now back to our interview. So Lauren, you talk about focus or really what you said was being relentlessly focused. How does this relate to customer success? Yeah, so I um, I know that elite athletes, they're just re- relentlessly focused. And, you know, it's interesting because I think my family and friends and people who know me will, will say there's an intensity about me, right? They'll say that it's about, they would tell you that it's competitiveness and you're just so competitive all the time. And it's actually not. I'm just very focused and dedicated to what matters in that moment to me. And I give everything I have. Mm -hmm. And when I think about elite athletes, that focus, they know what's important. They know where to put their time. And I think more importantly, they know what to say no to. They are not distracted. They have goals and they stick to those goals and they they make sure that no one else is um, deviating or, or allowing for deviation to those goals. And I think that's really important because we have choices all the time. We have different priorities all the time. And as leaders, it's really important. And in customer success, you have to make really tough choices. And choices are never easy. Sometimes you have to say no to things that you really, really want to do and that seem really, really important. But you have to actually focus on the most important thing. So I think, you know, for example, for me growing up, um, I kind of looked at my choices as a triangle. I had school at one point, I had swimming at another point, and I my social life on the third point. And I could only focus on two of those things and do them well. And it kind of makes sense because by the time you're competing in college, you'll spend, and I was spending 30 plus hours a week practicing. Don't tell the NCAA that. Um, <laughs> well, you're on a podcast. <laughs> Nice. A little late now. <laughs> too late. I'm not even there. Um, no, so you'll need to spend like 30 plus hours a week of practice. You'll spend 30 hours a week for school. And it's pretty much two full-time jobs. So you can't really spend a lot of time doing yeah. much else, which just means that anything that fell into that third bucket, that social bucket, always came last. And so I have another story. Um, I think about this um, as a story of choices, uh, too. So in 2003, um, I had just, it was like spring of 2003. We had just, um, announced the dates for our senior prom, right? So Mm -hmm. super exciting senior year prom, um, about two weeks after that, um, I found out that I'd made it onto the U S national team and I'd be competing at world university games. Um, And I found out that our team camp was the exact same weekend as our prom. And so you have to make a choice, right? Like I could go to the camp and miss prom or you could go to prom and miss camp. And if I missed camp, you know, I would have to actually, I'd be removed from the the national team. And so it may seem like a silly choice or, or, you know, to people now, they'd be like, of course, that's an easy choice. But at different stages, there's going to be things that are more important to you than others. And I actually think that happens in life. Like, what is your priority? At that time, you know, for me, my priority was swimming. But I mean, prom is a staple experience. And it's something that I think tons of people want to do. And that could be your focus. And that is totally okay. At that time, for me, it wasn't my number one focus. It wasn't my number one priority. And so when I made that choice, it was easier for me to make because I had a very specific idea in mind, but it's still a choice and it's tough. So to this day, I've never been to prom, but I have competed on a world stage. And I think when I, when I think about how important that is for CS, we really have limited time and we have to be able 
to answer the question, like, what are you saying yes to? And what are you saying no to? And no is a really hard thing. Like, what are you actually turning away? Because that's not the most important thing. So defining that focus is really important. And you have to think about what's the single biggest pillar you need to knock down. You know, is it, hey, we really need to get, you know, a system in place, like, um, you know, like a tool to help manage all of our stuff? Do we need to build playbooks? Do we need to segment our customers? What's the single most important thing? Do you need to focus on renewals because you have a bunch coming up? What is the most important thing that you need to focus on in order to achieve that big goal and say no to everything else? I think saying no is so hard. And I <laughs> I think for CS professionals, it is even harder because I think the personality traits that make somebody really good in customer service or customer success have a tendency to be the ones that also make you never, ever want to say no to anybody. And um, it's really, really tough. And so um, I think there's a lot of CS people who are like, oh, it's just, you know, the way that we're set up, I have too many customers. I don't have enough time. And, And the reality is I've never actually worked with a team of CS professionals who have ever felt like they had enough time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it just, it straight up does not exist guys. And so I think the thing is that everybody's got to make those tough choices. Mm -hmm. And I love that you bring this up because it is, you are going to have to say no to some stuff. Yeah. Everybody is. And I think in CS, our personalities and the fact that we like to make people happy, (laughs) make it tough for us to say no, but we must, we must must say no. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things where the way I've kind of settled it in my own head, because I am the same way as probably everybody else. I I (laughs) have a lot of passion. I believe we can do anything. We can set these crazy high goals. It's just more of a sequencing. So to me, that's how you build your CS roadmap. Like you know, maybe you won't be able to do a certification program right now, but maybe a year from now you will be in that. So put that down. It doesn't mean that it's something that should be written off, but it is something that just might not be sequenced right now. And so, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And maybe it never is. That's okay too. But it is really important to be able to focus on one to two things and say no to everything else. So you can actually get those things accomplished and do them well. Yeah. I love that you talk about resilience. I think that was the next thing on your list. Mm -hmm. Uh, Resilience is something that I consider a strength of mine. Frankly, I think that's the biggest reason why I have my business today, because I've been able to go through a lot of challenges and just stick with it. Um, Tell me about how you see this relating to customer success. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think a staple for elite athletes and yeah, like business owners and people who've, who've really taken what they're passionate about to the next level, you have to be resilient. There's constantly ups and downs, especially in sports, but in anything and in piece of life. And it's not all roses. Um, I think in a world of instant gratification where that's, I don't know, quite frankly, the norm these days, um, elite athletes know and expect yeah. that it just it takes time. You need time. You need to get through the, those ups and downs. And there's going to be people who will tell you it can't be done. And they're going to be naysayers. Mm-hmm. And so it's about being able to really stick with it when times are tough, to really stick with it when you're tired and sore and everything else. And yeah. that's what gets you through like really tough times. And so I have a couple of stories related to resilience. And the first was when I was actually 11 years old. And I remember I was hanging out at the pool, waiting for practice to start. And one of the swim team parents, who was the president of the the swim team at the time, he came up and was talking to to us and talking to me and my friends. And I remember him saying to me that um, he was like, Lauren, you're really, you know, bubbly and great but you're probably never going to make it to a D1 school. And I'm 11. <laughs> but he's like... That's a tough message yeah. to hear at 11. Yeah, right? And he said, you should start looking at D2 schools. You could be really successful. You could have a lot of like really great experience there. And you know, when I think about when he said that, it's, 
he wasn't necessarily wrong, um, given the data he was probably looking at. I wasn't that fast. <laughs> I wasn't winning everything. I was just kind of very incrementally getting a little bit better. But comparatively to some of the other girls that were on the swim team, they were dropping time left and right. They were having tons of success. They were going to junior nationals and all of these different meets, and I was not. And so it's not that I necessarily fault him for that. But I also believe that there's resilience in defining those things for yourself. Like I wasn't going to stop and it's not like I knew where I was going to go to school or what I was going to do, but I was going to continue to pursue my dream, my crazy high goal of making the Olympic team. And no one could stop me doing that, but I appreciate people's feedback. And it's crazy. You know, only five years later, I won my first national title and was, you know, making um, uh, Olympic trials. And, and it was crazy. And it was more than, than anyone on the team had done at that time. So it's just, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. You'll have people who tell you what they think. And it's not necessarily that they're wrong. I mean, they're probably looking at all of, you know, the, some of the right stuff. But there is um, some resilience to be had about um, saying no or just continuing to pursue something because it matters to you. You're passionate about it. And so um, I think that was a one example. And then another was actually after, you know, now I'm like 16, I had won my first national title. Um, I um, was just, I, things were, things, I was like on top of the world at that time. And like one year later, I wasn't even making it into the top 20 at nationals. And I don't think I got a best time, um, a PR for about, two and a half, three years. And when you're on top and then you're not on top, <laughs> it can be really That's frustrating tough. and it can be, um, yeah. it can be devastating because you, you are putting your time and energy and effort and like day in and day out and you don't always see the results. And so being able to kind of mentally go back and focus on, you know, the small things, being able to create little wins for yourself, I think is one of this single most important things I learned there. And it was about being resilient and not letting, just not getting that PR um, every time I went to a meet, not letting it drive me crazy <laughs> and not letting it yeah. get me down to the point where I wanted to, you know, where, where I did like where I'd quit. And there was a point where I certainly yeah. thought about it, but then I thought also like, I really love, I really love swimming. And despite the fact that I wasn't having, you know, a really great experience for the for a couple of years, I was going to kind of turn my attitude toward focusing on the small stuff and starting to have fun again. And it's crazy. Like then things started to kind of turn around, like it gave it more time and things started to work themselves out. And so I think there are always going to be peaks and valleys and plateaus. And it's yeah. just really important to continue to move through those. Um, and I think that as CS professionals, we face that kind of uh, those peaks and valleys all the time. Um, think about releases, <laughs> <Absolutely>. right? Like, <laughs> I don't know if anybody, if it's just me, but I've been at companies where we had, we've had like tough product releases. We have upset customers. We have to um, work through those things. And then we're coming around and we have to make sure customers have you know, have achieved value. I mean, there's all these things of like these, these valleys that you're right, Yeah. Through. Yeah. Or that one big customer that oh, churns and it wasn't something you could control. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you kind of forget that you have, you know, tens or even hundreds of other customers that are really happy. You are totally focused on that one that you yeah. lost and it's very difficult and it can be, it can be devastating and you can feel really yes. low. So having that resilience to come back from that is, I think, really Absolutely. Because it's going to continue to happen. And it's about, just as you mentioned, you have yep. 10, 15, <laughs> 100 other customers that you could go make extra happy that maybe makes up for that the one. Um, and so I think that's what helps with building that resilience is how do you position it in your head? What's the mindset that you take around it? And how do you flip it around to not be, so devastating, turn it to something that you can learn from. Yeah. Which leads me to my next question. Tell me why it's so important to celebrate success. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really funny. I think actually in my swimming career, I did not do this very well. 
um, I think it's because I, I don't know, maybe I just tend to be like a little bit harder on myself. I really just wanted to achieve so much. And um, I don't think I celebrated my success enough, but I think it's really important. Um, and I have a, you know, as an example, when I won my second national title, I remember thinking I didn't get a personal best time. So that was a bad performance. And I just like think about it now. And it's like, Wow. Uh, In retrospect, that was actually pretty cool. And what I realized was, gosh, like not celebrating those successes, being too strict with exactly what success is and maybe not celebrating those milestones along the way can actually be super demotivating um, to both ourselves and our teams. Um, So the way I look at this is I think it's really important to set um, milestones of celebration. And again, like, I just think for me, like, I know I'm just about, I want to achieve the end goal, but I realize now, especially in retrospect from being an athlete, I wish I had celebrated more of the milestones to get there and been crazy excited about it. It just, it's momentum that you build of excitement and passion. And so when I think about as a CS leader, what I do now is we celebrate milestones. When we take on different initiatives, we actually celebrate those initiatives along the way um, to improving our team. I think it's really important to celebrate milestones with your actual customers. You know, the first time they yeah. they get that they get through onboarding or they hit that first you know major <laughs> um, time to value milestone that you have, or when they've accomplished something really great. I think it's so important to recognize that, um, you know, here at Good Time, it's celebrating when you've scheduled your first interview. I mean, that's like the first time you get to yeah. do that. So I think those are really cool. Um, and I think people um, and CS leaders in particular have a really awesome opportunity to define and celebrate those milestones and really get that momentum going um, within teams and within themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, now we're going to talk about the flip side. (laughs) How do do athletes learn from losses? And how can CS professionals adopt some of those tactics? Yeah, I think it's one of the most important things we can do is learn from losing and, of course, winning as well. And I I think it kind of goes without saying, but it's really critical to look at why things are going well and why um, maybe they didn't and take a minute to reflect about that right? So as an athlete, you learn from every practice and every race. You can learn from your competitors. You can consider different approaches, especially when you lose. Um, For example, maybe you're thinking about, or at least I did, like there were times when I've certainly lost really close races. And when I reflect back, I think about, oh gosh, maybe I could have done a flip turn a little bit differently, or maybe I could have um, done this thing that a coach reminded me of, which is like a double finish where you like finish once and then twice. And it just gives you that extra, extra oomph. And I think that you might approach things with a different strategy every time, but if you don't take the time to reflect about what went right, what didn't go right, Mm -hmm. you don't have the experience, you don't have the ability to learn, right. To expand the way that you were thinking. And so we as CS leaders, of course, have to do that too right? We, we just talked about it. When a customer churns, um, it's really important to understand why. What was the context? How are we learning um, about how to make the experience better, the journey better, or maybe the types of customers we need to actually go after um, and inform the rest of our organization about? So to me, I think learning and growing from your wins and your and your losses is really really important and totally relatable to what we're doing in customer success especially with understanding what's working for our customers what isn't what's their experience like what causes someone to churn why did they not get value and how can we iterate on our processes or how can we iterate on our product to actually make sure that those customers have a great experience so i think that's totally relatable area for us. Yeah, absolutely. I I feel this in my business all the time because I I feel like some of the best things that I've changed and done differently in my business have been because Mm -hmm. I've lost deals. And 
Um, and some of the best things that I've seen on my customer success teams over the years have been because we've lost customers. And we've, we, we took a um, stance of not getting defensive yeah. about it and not um, just being angry about it, but wanting to really learn from it and figure out what we could do differently and better. And then if there wasn't anything we could do differently or better, yeah. just letting it go instead of being continuing to be angry about it. So I, I think there's a lot of amazing things that can come yeah, from losses. Absolutely. And if you take the right attitude. There's the resilience piece again. So <laughs> Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so the last thing that you mentioned on your list was coaches. And I can see two sides of this. I see CSMs coaching their customers. And then I see CS leaders coaching their CSMs. Can you share your thoughts on the importance of coaches in both of those scenarios? Yes, absolutely. So I, you know, when I think about being an elite athlete, one of the things that makes athletes successful, or at least was like helped me in my success is having really great coaches. Um, I think coaches mm -hmm. motivate you to do things above and beyond you ever thought possible. And so again, yeah. when it comes to setting these crazy high goals, your coaches are the ones who are there in your corner helping you not only to get there, to, but even to think bigger than you could have ever thought. And I have a story about, you know, when I was swimming and I, it was going into like, actually this time of, um, uh, time of year was going into, the holiday season and in athletics, oftentimes like during the breaks is when you, <laughs> that's when you're like swimming even harder or you're working even harder because you don't have school. And <laughs> so I remember it was no, no Christmas, Christmas cookies. cookies. It was for you. Like, how, much, how much harder, faster, more, more swimming can we do? And so we were just yeah. entering Thanksgiving time period and our coach challenged us with this four yeah. weeks of, crazy um, swimming practice yardage. And so just to put this into perspective, um, it, we were going to do four weeks of 100,000 meters a week, which is about um, 10K a practice two times a day. So that's 12 miles of swimming per day. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. That's like a Every half day marathon. Swimming. <laughs> a day. Yes. So it was kind wow. of one of those things when you're going into it, you're just, I don't think I can do this, right? Like you're, you're, I've never done anything like this before. And one, as a team, we banded together to do it, but our coach also believed it possible. And so we did, we made it to the end of that four weeks. And then what was even crazier is he added a fifth week on. And then we got to the end of that fifth <laughs> week and he added a sixth week on. <laughs> And then we got to the end of that sixth week and he added one more great week on the seventh week. I know. Oh and so you almost gosh. think like, gosh, like, were we ready to quit at that time? And I think if we had done an eighth week, like maybe, but it was right after New Year's. And what's crazy is we, we all, we made it, you know, we swam 700,000 yeah. meters in seven weeks. And what's really interesting about that is after that, um, I went to a meet down in California a couple weeks later and I qualified for Olympic trials and I could never have predicted months before that, that I would have ever made Olympic trials at 15. Um, in fact, like people <laughs> talked about it, but I was nowhere yeah. close to the qualifying times. And so again, like when it comes to coaching, I think your coaches can push you above and beyond in such a way that. You don't, you don't Absolutely. even think for yourself that you can get there. And so I see this as being paralleled in many ways to customer success, but particularly with being a great leader, your job is to make sure that you understand your team, that you really learn the strengths and weaknesses of your team. You help to grow them and capitalize on what they're good at so they can excel to new heights. And sometimes it's, it's a control thing. You need to let go of control as a leader and give that to your team so that they can grow and fail and learn in the same way that you did to get to where you are. And so I find it very exciting. I always tell my team, mm -hmm. I want you to take over my job. 
I want you to take over my job. So you need to take on the pieces and keep taking yep. these on because you will learn how to do these things. You will be in a position to be able to lead more people to do it. So as a leader, I think that's so important to keep pushing your team to be better than they were before, to take them to new heights, to let them try and have room to fail because that's how we all got to where we are today. And then beyond that, I also think CSMs, mm -hmm. and certainly in the way you talked about this, coaching their own customers. <laughs> you have to help your customers think yeah. about things beyond probably what they see today. Now, remember, as a CSM, you know the product. You know where the roadmap's going. You have seen customers be successful and where they can go. So help customers think bigger because your product will continue to iterate, right? So you should be helping and consulting with them in a way that mm -hmm. allows them to utilize, you know, what you have today, but helping them to think through where they could be as an organization with the value that your product brings. And to bring that home, you know, I think about good time, you know, we're helping people with the scheduling process today and making a lot more of that process automated and creating this great experience. But we're going to be pushing beyond that to show people more data and insights about how, you know, the interview scheduling is going. So that helps their internal business processes. We're iterating even further to provide more interviewing training. So we're actually thinking ahead for our customers. They're, of course, providing this feedback, but we'll need to help coach our customers into that different way of thinking, right? Our job is to coach you to think differently, to coach you to want something bigger because it's so... You can have so much more success, so much more value can be attained. So I think CSMs play a huge role in coaching their own customers to help them think bigger, think beyond what is today to a new, a new way of doing things, which could provide a ton of business success. And you would think it would, because that's probably why they bought your software to begin with. <laughs> yes. So Lauren, this is amazing advice. Um, I'm not an athlete. <laughs> I mean, I have been an athlete in the past, but I've never been an elite athlete. Um, it's not natural for some people. So for those of us who are not athletes, how would you recommend starting to take your advice? You know, I would say one thing at a time. <laughs> but okay. yes, yeah, just one thing at a I time. I can get behind I guess, that. You know, for me, I think it's about... Um, thinking about not all doing all of these things at once, but it's kind of looking at them and saying, okay, are there some of these tips or pieces that are applicable to me? For example, am I going through a really tough time right now? Maybe I could work on reframing and building some resi resilience around whatever is happening today. Or maybe yeah. I'm in the process of goal setting for 2020. <laughs> So maybe, you know, for me, I want to <laughs> yeah. think about crazy high goals and I want to think about the different milestones or maybe I'm wrapping up the year and I want to be able to celebrate. So take one thing at a time and start to think about is any, are any of these tips applicable to me at this moment? And think about maybe how you could approach that one thing, that one thing, not all, not all things have to be thought about all at once. Remember that focus. <laughs> yes. Love it. So last question, and it's been a little while since you answered this one, but what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now oh, and why? That's a really great question. So you and I can I talk about this. I know for another hour, but we're not going to, you're going to pick one. I am you're going to focus. focus. Choose your favorite. I am trying to think of like my favorite thing. Um, I think actually it's still going to head down the path of continuously being more data-driven and automated. I just don't see another yeah. way around it. We're not going to have, um, I think for, for certain customers, there's this expectation too that not everything is high touch. Um, so when I think about um, again, and like this yeah. is B2C, but when I think about my experience using like an Amazon app, that's really great because it matches, you know, I bought something, I get help, I don't have to actually talk to anyone, <laughs> which sounds terrible, but like, yeah. I don't need it for that. No, I mean, sometimes yes. you don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone when I'm yes. ordering stuff on Amazon. And I think I just that don't. as we move yeah. towards 
Yeah. Um, in B2B even. You don't need to talk to everybody. I don't need to talk to my CSM mm-hmm. all the time in my my CS platform. In fact, like I might have things that I just need, I just need a notification about, or I just need like this one thing automated to me. What I want to talk about on, you know, like mm-hmm. in a high touch way is more strategy, more of those types of pieces. And so I think we have to continue to automate and to continue to get data um, around how do we automate the stuff that can be, that still creates a great experience and really focus our high touch efforts on the things that only human to human can really do mm-hmm. today. And so I see us like continuing to trend yeah. in that direction. Um, and it really comes with, you know, really understanding the data behind um, what customers want, where they're going, the types of things that can be manually done and that would have a great experience for customers. Um, so that's kind of where I see it going. But I don't know. How do you see it, Kristen? <laughs> um, I see that same thing. I think I think we're refining it. And I, I don't think it can be kind of one size fits all yeah. for all companies either. And so I think every company needs to be very smart about how they look at the customer experience and think about where do your customers want you to automate? Because customers do want you to automate some things. I don't want to talk to somebody every single time I do things, but sometimes I do. And it's a, it's a, I think it's a balance of finding where I want to connect as a customer with the company and also where can the company challenge me yes. to do something differently or better. And so it's finding that balance and, and does it need to be fully automated because that's what the business model supports or can it have humans involved in it? And if so, where do those yes. humans add the most value and where, where do they create that amazing experience? I've had both really amazing, fully automated experiences and I've had really amazing human driven experiences. <laughs> I think you can have everything in, in between and every company's kind of yeah, got to figure that out from the, themselves. So that's how I think about it. But yeah, I think you're right on. Absolutely. Automation drives tons of that. So yeah. <laughs> Lauren, I love talking with you. I feel yes, like we can talk about this all day long, <laughs> but um, thank you for being a repeat guest on the podcast and for taking the time to share your perspective today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kristen. And as always, this has just been so much fun. And of course, if you or others have questions or want to connect, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me, Lauren Costella. And then I also um, am on Twitter uh, at L Costella. So happy to connect with everybody and just super excited to have had the chance to talk with you today. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.